I searched for days, going from one system to another. Then, on dark, deserted worlds where there should be no life, where no living thing has walked in over a thousand years, something is moving, gathering its forces quietly, quietly, hoping to go unnoticed. We must warn the others, Natal. After a thousand years, the darkness has come again. An ancient prophecy is about to be fulfilled. And all our races stand on the edge of extinction. This is madness. We don't have much choice, do we? On an all-new Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. Good evening, everyone out there, and welcome back to the Gray 17 podcast, where we have a group of first-time watchers and those of us who are the first ones who are going episode by episode through Babylon 5, and we are now into season two. We are part of NPR Illinois Community Voices and the Front Row Network. My name is Blake. As you may have noticed, Scott is not with us tonight. We believe he is having dinner with the Pac Marat and hope we see him next week. With me tonight is... Emily. Justin. Nicole. Jesse. John, Andrew, and Kevin. And John, you're joining us back from an international trip again. Yes. Uh, a few hours ago, I flew back in from England. Uh, I know last, that- time, last time you left the country, the queen died. So <laughs> is Europe still an ally at this point, John? Uh, there's some charges pending. I don't know. Uh, I will at the embassy. Uh, I don't know how much I want to say. I've been advised by counsel to... Uh, Keep it low, but it was a good time. It was fun. I had a good time in London. Ah, well, glad you're back. So in addition to finding the podcast on YouTube and your podcast app of choice, if you want to support us, you can follow us on Patreon. Nicole, you want to talk a little bit more about our Patreon? Yeah, so we have a Patreon, which is awesome. There's a couple different levels that you can join uh, at a couple different price points. We have our You Got Koshed, which uh, gets you some cool behind the scenes stuff and uh, gets you part of our Discord chat, which Andrew runs, which is awesome. Uh, then we have our Team Ivan Nova, which will get you a little bit more where you could do Q&As with us. Then we've got our Probed, where you can actually probe the podcast and ask some questions. Um, And then uh, finally, we have the Great Council, which is a producer. So you'll get a producer credit in our show notes. And uh, that is our highest tier. Um, But our Patreon's awesome. We post bloopers, we post our show notes, which by the way, are definitely the red line connecting. My notes look like a a crazy person wrote them. Uh, So it's entertaining to look at our thoughts on paper and then listen to the podcast. Um, So definitely, you know, if you can, we would appreciate if you checked out our Patreon because um, we are doing this whole show for you and we can't do this without you and your support. So um, we would love if you joined us over on Patreon and chatted with us a little bit in Discord. 
Good job. And not to uh, not to sideline into another uh, great sci-fi movie, but to quote the great yogurt, what makes the world go round? Merchandising. That's right, friends. We have merchandise available uh, through. We have partnered with Redbubble, uh, where we have lots of gray seventeen stuff for you to buy, wear, and share with your friends. Tis the giving season, after all, which will actually be at, over by the time that you hear this podcast, which is neither here nor there. You can give, give gifts every time of year, and so the link will be in our show notes. Follow that link. Find your favorite gray seventeen T-shirt, mug, shower curtain. Uh, toilet seat cover whatever you want for your home and buy it and represent the show we're gonna have some new um, designs coming out because i think that we've all said well that should be on a t-shirt about 15 times in the last couple weeks so we're gonna start trying to get those actually on a t-shirt we will do our best to do that so we did get another review in and we've been reading some of these and i know uh, scott read one last week and i believe this is the antithesis to that one and I did ask to read this because I, I want to comment on part of it. Uh, the review is a dream given form, just not a good one. The two main hosts are excellent and really know their B5 stuff. The problem is with the newbies having the perspective of newbies isn't exactly a bad thing, but the execution is poor. Having to listen to so many people, most of whom don't like sci-fi, takes away from the excellent commentary of the main hosts. The newbies can't appreciate the fine craft of a great sci-fi show, and they ultimately make this podcast a very tough one for a B5 fan to enjoy. Maybe having just a couple of newbies to bring a fresh perspective could have made this a good show, but there are too many voices who don't care about the genre. Beyond the two solid main hosts, the only other solid component is the interviews with the actors involved with B5. Those have been great. So the reason I wanted to read this one is, you know, as a longtime fan of the show, and Scott and I talked about this review too, is... One of the things we wanted to do was introduce this show and the genre to a new audience. That's how the show goes. That's how it keeps going. That's why 30 years after this show aired, we're still able to do this podcast and have over 20,000 streams of our episodes is because we keep appealing to new audiences. So, you know, I think having people that are part of this conversation who aren't, you know, big sci-fi fans is a good thing. And even JMS has said Babylon 5 brings in so many different pieces it's got philosophy. It's got religion. It has, you know, tales of legend and the sci-fi genre itself all rolled into one. So, you know, we appreciate the feedback with all the reviews, but, you know, that's kind of the point of why we brought this together with so many different viewpoints is to get different perspectives on the show and hopefully continue to build the fan base. Nicole, you have your hand up. Yeah. I mean, who says you have to be a sci-fi fan to watch a sci-fi show? That's like saying you have to like rom-coms to watch a rom-com, you know, like you have to like political shows to watch The West Wing. You know, the point is learning about a new genre and learning about a new show, like you eloquently said, Blake. So I understand that this person is a hardcore fan and may not like our takes. But like you said, the entire point of the show is introducing this show and the genre to people who are not into it because now we can walk away saying you know what maybe i'll watch another sci-fi show maybe i like this more often you know so that's the whole point of it so i think that having to be a sci-fi fan in order to watch the show and be part of this doesn't make sense because it just defeats the whole purpose of what we're trying to do well part of the fun is seeing the show even if you have seen it a lot before from the new perspective mm -hmm. which is has been really fun for me i i didn't expect that 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 aspect of it would be as enjoyable as it is 
Yeah, you're exactly right, Kevin. Scott and I have said the same thing too, is, you know, watching all of you watch this for the first time, the surprises you're getting, the confusion you're getting, the frustration you're getting. It's been fun for us because another reviewer actually said, you know, that the longtime fans should throw in a little bit more of what our experiences were like watching it. For us, though, the problem is we don't really remember what we felt when we watched it for the first time. We're getting to relive that with you now as you go through it. So that's been fun for us. This will probably be edited and that is absolutely fine with me. But here's the thing. As probably one of the specific people that said uh, reviewer is mentioning, um, you can't force me to like sci-fi. And just because I don't like sci-fi doesn't mean I don't like this show. I was very vocal about not enjoying the show at the beginning. And I'm actually starting to like it. So as a non-sci-fi fan, um, I'm just proving that you don't have to like it to enjoy a show. Also, um, there's plenty of other podcasts specifically geared at people who have only watched the show. So feel free to exit stage left and go fucking watch one of those. Well, just remember, Jesse, that Mike and I got zero love and part of this too. So apparently the only people that are worth anything are Scott and Blake. So you guys just run with it and we'll just chill over here. Thanks. Listen, we have some great fans. So, you know, even people who don't love us all the time have stuck with us and we appreciate them. And you know what? Good, bad, or ugly. If you're listening, it's a win for us. So keep on or don't, you know, either way, none of us are getting paid. So. <laughs> and for the record, neither of us wrote this review. It, <laughs> if we, because if we had, we wouldn't have also gave ourselves two stars. That fucks with the algorithm. <laughs> we would have at least given ourselves five. They gave us two stars. Okay. Now you really can bite somebody's ass, sir. John. I, so I just want to say, Hey, our fans are so awesome that they actually review other shows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they try to uh, steal our nicknames and try to, uh, you know, take our identities. That's how awesome our fans are. So I say, uh, whoever left this review, come back a, a better nickname than a chuckle nugget. And I think. <laughs> oh, it's the same guy. <laughs> well, and this has been our trip into the Gray 17 podcast review section for the evening. If you would like to leave us your thoughts and comments and see what we think about your review, please feel free to leave that on your podcast app of choice, whether that be through Apple reviews or through any of the other platforms that we are on. And we look forward to reading what you have to say and discussing it. So for tonight's episode, Nicole, I believe you have a synopsis for us. I do. Let me get my radio voice ready. Um, as Commander Sheridan continues to get used to Babylon 5, there's no lack of action in Revelations. As the episode moves along, Jakar makes a terrifying discovery that can destroy the future of everyone. Lando continues to work with Mr. Morden, even if he questions his methods. Delenn finally emerges from her chrysalis. We learn more about the commander's uh, personal life with his sister's visits. And Dr. Franklin tries some new methods to help Garibaldi wake up from his coma. And we even see a cameo by the president himself. By the time the episode is over, we learn that a new order is brewing. And we learn that things may not be as genuine as they seem in the new regime on Earth. Commander Sheridan learns just how cold it can get at Babylon 5. And everybody's shady as fuck. <laughs> Had to add that in. We, we all knew Nicole was going to say something in this episode was shady, and apparently it is everybody is shady AF. So let's go ahead and jump into first impressions. How about we start off with John? Um, yeah, actually, you know, this show kind of, this episode, I should say, kind of missed for me. Um, there were some good parts for sure. Um, Sheridan's sister sucks, I'm going to say it. I kind of hated her the entire episode. Um, 
Uh, we can get into some specifics later, but she was terrible. Um, there was, I mean, there was some good stuff that came out here, but overall, I just thought, eh, I don't know. I, I, I guess we're still trying to find our footing with with Sheridan. There were some, again, some good parts, some some bad parts. I thought there were some hokey parts. Um, uh, I did like this was a good Jakar episode. I thought, um, obviously, uh, you know, my boy Londo, I I expected more, but again, his dance with the devil makes me nervous and you know, it's not the Londo I love, you know, bring back the, the ladies and the booze and the, the good times, uh, this Londo, not so much. Um, uh, but, uh, overall not, you know, not uh, a terrible episode. Again, they continues to look incredible compared to season one. I mean, the money and the, the budget that they got to do the, the effects are just so far and above better than season one. So worst case scenario, it looked good. There were some good parts, but, uh, if I had to skip it, if, if when I go back and rewatch it, as we've been suggested, as we eventually transition into first ones ourselves, uh, you know, this one might be one I, I skip. But yeah, it's interesting. You bring up the uh, improved CGI. JMS actually commented on that too back uh, on the Usenet forums with it. The show continued to do uh, CGI improvements, both with budget, but also as the technology improved. Because you think about that kind of early mid 90s period, the technology on CGI and graphics capability was just exploding at that point. So even with what they started with to from season one, from the gathering to season one into season two, just the technology jumps alone made so much more possible. Jesse, how about your first impressions? Um, I enjoyed this episode. It was uh, a lot of the things that we've been waiting for. Some of the answers to the to Chrysalis came out today. We got to see Delenn and whew, she is she's beautiful, but she looks weird. <laughs> I was just like, I, I wanted, they showed her, I was like, okay. So my prediction that she was coming out exactly the same was completely wrong. Um, she's not that far off, but she does, she still looks, you can still tell it's her, but it was kind of cool to see that. Um, and I'm with John, uh, Londo, Londo scares me. Like, I can't imagine this turns out well for him. So the whole situation, it gives me anxiety a little bit, but overall enjoyed the episode. Um, it's really kind of engaged at this point. Like I'm, I'm not dreading having to watch it or having to like, um, to get through the episode. I'm not finding myself picking up my phone to like, you know, do other things. So it's definitely something that I'm like engaged in at this point. So how about we switch over to Emily for, <laughs> for her first impressions? Um, for as much as that, for as much that happened in this episode, I really just wasn't feeling it. And I don't know if it just because it was kind of a rough week or if it was the episode. And because I knew Delyn was going to look different and I knew what kind of different because that's the image that showed up in my feed for anything referencing B5, no matter how much I tried to avoid it. The reveal felt kind of lackluster. I don't know. Um and I am absolutely convinced that the vice president, now the vice president, is a horrible human being. And he was absolutely in on the plot, without a doubt. I'm convinced. <laughs> I was convinced before, but yeah, after this, I have no trust in him whatsoever. And uh, I think <laughs> I'll keep the further thoughts for later. So that, that would be an interesting side question then real quick. And if anyone just wants to go around with this one is, so Emily obviously got kind of spoiled early on. Um Scott and I knew it also that uh, Emily had seen the image of Delenn post-transition. Um, was anyone else kind of surprised or with the transition, the result of it, as far as kind of what that change was? 
Yeah, I had no idea what to yeah. expect. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect either. And I was like really concerned with the grayscale version of Glenn. But then when she showed up and, you know, when she showed up and removed her hood, I was like, oh, hey, girl. You know, so. Mm-hmm. You I didn't that? expect her to look human at all. Like, I, I don't know what I expected, but that wasn't it. And, you know, I've never seen her in real life. Like, I don't know who she is. I don't I've never seen pictures of her. Um, So I don't she's probably very beautiful. She looks strange to me just because she's I've seen her now for a whole season in prosthetics and makeup and and you know bones and stuff like that so to see her with like human facial features and human hair she looks weird to me maybe if I had seen her in real life she wouldn't look so strange but I mean she's so beautiful it's just a different kind of look yeah I I guess that the actress was probably thrilled when they made this change because it probably (laughs) meant her being in the makeup chair a hell of a lot shorter actually it didn't um JMS commented on Usenet's the the prosthetics and the makeup for the post-transition look took longer to do no uh, than what did before yeah because of all the hair yep (laughs) okay I didn't see that coming it actually took longer I'd already seen it as well. Thank you, HBO Max. And really, wow. I'd go into IMDb sometimes to get some actors' names. And of course, the main photo that IMDb had used. So I'd seen it. But I also already knew what Mira Furlan looked like. Um, I had seen her extensively in Lost. So I was happy to see Mira Furlan's face again. It's always nice to see. So, um, yeah. It was is that what she looks like? There's no prosthetics or anything with her nose or anything, is there? Mm-hmm. Is that like actually her? For the most part, yeah. I mean, besides the bone growing out of her head. Right. Yeah, I mean, Mira didn't have that. <laughs> uh, one of the other pieces, and I, we talked about this really early on in the podcast, too, because uh, a lot of you caught the difference. Um, Delenn looked very different in The Gathering um, than what the character did in uh, Midnight on the Firing Line and through season one. And that's part of, keep in mind, the original plan for this was the Lynn would not just transition more to human form. She was originally going to transition from male into female, more human form. So that was part of the original plan. And then due to, they couldn't get Mira's voice, even with the computer enhancements to sound male enough to do it convincingly. So they kind of abandoned that plan, but kept the part where the, this chrysalis transition would still happen. So I think that might've contributed a little bit more had that much of a change happened. That could have been interesting to see, especially in the mid nineties, what that kind of uh, reaction could have been. So how about Justin? You got some first impressions for us. I do. Um, when I first saw the, the name of the episode was revelations. I didn't know if it was about secrets being revealed or the end of the world. And it was actually kind of both, um, which kind of made me a little bit happy. Um, I actually enjoyed the episode. I feel like the gears and the machinations are finally all in motion, and I'm loving it. I liked the kind of the background work on Sheridan, mostly surrounding his wife and the kind of the guilt he feels uh, surrounding her death. I actually was one. We finally got an answer to one of our questions from Quality of Mercy. Are we going to see the Mercy machine again? We did. We got to see it in action, and it brought Gary Baldy back to us. So huzzah for that. And then Delenn is back. And she looking like a snack. I think she gorgeous in her new form. And then, yeah, I agree. Um, Londo now spying for Morden and the Shadow People, uh, which sounds like a really crappy 90s goth pop band. But <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm worried about our, our favorite uh, Roman lookalike. 
in that. But overall, you know, I, I enjoyed the episode. Um, I've been really excited with the first two episodes, actually, with season two. I'm I'm really happy with what's going on. I think after that one, Justin, we're going to have to talk to our merch people about coming up with a shirt of Morden and the Shadow People as like a goth band type T-shirt and see if we can't get that put in the uh, merch store and offer that up on our Redbubble site, uh, which info on that. kill everybody, kill the universe. <laughs> and we promise if we do that, we will not release an album cut with Justin. We will just release a T-shirt. Yeah. Andrew. What have you got for first impressions? Yeah, I also thought this episode was, uh, it was fine. Nothing to really write home about. Uh, I also had similar thoughts going into it uh, with the title being Revelations. I thought like, all right, some 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 answers are finally going to be uh, revealed. And not really, not that I could really remember, but aside from uh, Garibaldi finding out who killed him, or not killed him, who shot him, you, you almost died. wasn't a fan of uh sheridan's sister she got annoying really quick uh yeah that's about all i got so nicole how about some first impressions from you and you can tell us who else you think is shady in this episode oh i will um okay so first of all uh one thing that john also said was i noticed right off the bat that um the cgi and everything just looks so much better like it looks really really good um so that was cool Lizzie, Sheridan's sister, is like a Wish.com version of Talia, I thought. She mm-hmm. like looks like a generic Talia, and I didn't like her. She was annoying. Another thing is we finally heard the voice of the new Natoth, and I hated it. Her voice was like nails on a chalkboard. Did not like that one bit. So these are just the very nuanced things. Um, also, I want to punch the president in the face. Um, he is definitely punching the stupid face level now. Um, overall, I'm glad that my man Garibaldi woke up. Happy to see him back. I'm happy that they found out um, that the dickhead guard was the one that did it. Um, and, you know, I'm glad that they figured that out, even though it was kind of futile, um, which we'll talk about later. Delenn looks beautiful. And I'm trying to figure out, is she half human now? But that'll be more on my questions list. Uh, it was kind of cool to learn about Sheridan's background, that he was married. And it kind of personalizes him a little bit more because uh, we really don't know shit about him at all. Um, so that was kind of cool to learn a little bit more about his background. And then I really thought the there was a lot going on. Like almost every single person had some sort of plot line. I think that Everybody had a little part to play in this episode, like Londo selling his soul to the devil. Um, oh, and we finally learned out uh, learned who the creepy spider, you know, shadow people are. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, creepy spider murder ships, that's what I called them. So we finally figured out who those were. And then, yeah, Jakar came back and made that discovery and, and kind of revealed that. So I feel like there was a lot going on. I almost feel like it was a little bit too much and a little... Maybe they tried to jam pack too much into this episode. That might be why people didn't like it as much, because I felt like there was a lot of content that maybe almost felt a little too forced. But overall, I liked the episode. I liked that we got to learn some things and we got some of our questions answered. Um, So, yeah, it's my first impression. Wow. Not a single reference to Shady in that. Oh, don't worry. It's coming. I think the one thing, and just to comment, you're mentioning with Sheridan's sister. Yeah, I don't know the order this one was written in, but... JMS did comment that a lot of this story was originally intended to be episode one of season two in the original plan before it was known that Sinclair was leaving. And in that story, obviously Sinclair would not have had a sister. That would have been a very different story. 
So the whole piece was basically to give Sheridan something to do in this episode. They added that sister piece in. And, and I'll agree, even with my own first impressions and thoughts on it, is that really felt like just an afterthought almost, like it was put in as a filler just to give Sheridan some kind of role in the story that, you know, had Sinclair been there otherwise would not have been in the story. Kevin, what have you got for us? It is weird that there's so much going on in this episode, and yet it is kind of a meh episode. Um, I didn't get quite the negative feeling from from the sister as, as the rest of you did. I just didn't think that that was very well thought out, fleshed out, written. Um, but I, you know, certainly I like the, the world building that they're doing with this. Um, I like the Garibaldi's back. I think it's really interesting that, uh the you know garibaldi's aide uh, they mentioned his name is jack um failed to even hit him center mass he just got him kind of on the side and the on the back is like come on man like were you trying to take him out or you were trying to have him survive remember the guy died from getting shot in the shoulder though so no sense here i guess you don't have to be a good shot with a ppg i guess we should all remember that they're kind of like lightsabers they're not meant to make sense Oh, you're just doing that to hurt me. Um, okay, so anyway, um, yeah, this episode is is fairly meh. Um, not a lot of strong, you know, strong guest stars in this one. Um, it was kind of cool to see, you know, some video from uh, Sheridan's wife, Anna, uh, played by uh, Beth Toussaint, who uh, was a, a fairly prominent guest star on uh, one episode of Star Trek Next Gen, but... Other than that, not not a lot of plot in this one, uh, but a lot going on. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. John, you've got your hand up good and early, so I take it that means you have some thoughts. Well, two. So one, yeah, his sister sucked, okay? The very first thing she says is like, what's up, fat ass? And I was like, man, coming in hot. I feel like it's my own family, which literally happened at Thanksgiving. My uncle was like, hey, you put on weight? And I thought, hey, man, fuck off. <laughs> I guess she holds on to a clip of his dead wife basically exonerating him talking about how much she loves him. who holds on to that for two years and then waits until he's like listen i'm at my breaking point i can't deal with this anymore she's like check it out i knew you were gonna say that i brought this fucking crystal with me now you can have it two years later she sucked everything about her sucked um but the one other thing i wanted to go back to real quick was since they mentioned revelations a couple of times um that the title uh so i took it to mean at the end again Big Jakar episode when he was quoting Yeats, uh, the second coming, uh, which is, you know, a, a revelations type poem very famously that I thought did not bode well for the show or at least this season. Um, but that's what I took the, the title coming from again, big, big episode for Jakar. I thought, uh, he's such a different character than the one we were introduced to. He's more, you know, kind of, I don't know if mellow is the right word, but he's, he's calmer. He's more reflective. He's, you know, again, recording poetry, he's far removed from the very aggressive at first, potentially one note, stereotypical, almost like villain that we were first introduced to. So uh, this episode, in conjunction with everything else he said, uh, has got him rising up my character favorites list. Um, and then the last thing I mentioned real quick, too, is I'm with Nicole. Nunatoth also sucks. Uh, I did not enjoy her. I thought, mm, that's a bummer because I enjoyed that character. Now I got to get this new actress, and I guess, give her time. But so far... Not great. Not great. Yeah, and this is actually the third aid that Jakar has had because he had Kodoth, that actress, couldn't wear the prosthetics with the eyes. And then uh, Caitlin Brown came in as Natoth for the rest of season one. And then we get this uh, new actress. The, one of the main reasons they're 
uh, Caitlin Brown actually was a leading role type uh, actress at that time and had film opportunities and other things that she had to pass on because of doing uh, the role on Babylon 5. So she, when they brought her in, it was basically as a favor. The casting director called in a favor with her and was like, hey, can you come fill this role? And unlike the rest of the cast, it was actually signed for the most part with five-year agreements. Uh, Caitlin Brown did not have one. Uh, she did not do the five-year agreement to stick around with the cast. So then we got, um, you know, I've, I've referred to her before as the uh, wish.com Natoth because, yeah, I'm not a fan of the uh, second actress to play the role of Natoth either. Yeah, Mary Kay Adams, you know, she's done other things that I've thought she was good in. Um, you know, she was in an episode of DS9, but in in this role, I, I don't feel that she's really strong at all. It uh, is unfortunate. Emily. Okay, so did anyone initially think she was like an ex-girlfriend? Did anyone yes. get like a weird romantic vibe? And then yep. it's like, no, that's a sister. And you're like, wait, what? 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 <laughs> I yeah. was so confused. I thought it was like it's something about felt more romantic partnerish than sisterish. And yeah, I find that really off-putting. And I'm glad I'm not alone in that. Yeah, no, the way that pl- played was kind of weird. I, I didn't think of it that way, but I mean, now that you mentioned it, I can definitely see where you would think that um, and get that impression. Cause yeah, just the relation between the two was weirder. That could just be because I hate my sister. You never know uh, which way that may play out. Justin. I was just going to piggyback off of something that John had said. I think Jakar's changing kind of the way he's acting and looking at things because he's legitimately like frightened about what's going on with these shadow people. And I think you're starting to see some frustration with him too, because he seems to be the only person taking it seriously. Like he's gone to the council at B5. He's told them everything that he saw, you know, the, the ship that they sent to, you know, to to the planet. It's somewhere in my notes. I can't remember the name of the planet off the top of my head, but they sent a ship to that planet and it was destroyed. And Jakar's back going, guys, look, you know, we need to talk about this. And everybody's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll get to it. You know, so and especially then now that he I think I think you're going to start seeing Jakar kind of start paying closer attention to Londo because, you know, he I think Londo's probably the only person that he told the location of the planet to. So, you know, that's going to start coming to a head again here soon between those two. Yeah, the planet is Zaha Doom. Yeah, and it seemed like it was, the timetable was the the really key part about it. I mean, people know where it is, but, the, you know, him being told the timetable was the really key element there. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't the location, it was the timetable. And you just know when a place has a name like Zaha Doom, that's just not going to be that good of a location. Yeah, it's it, it's not your uh, summer vacation spot. No. Yeah, Mordor just sounds like a great place to go. You <laughs> <know>? like... <laughs> Nicole, what do you got? So I want to talk about how I'm with Emily 100% on thinking that the now president is involved in the murder of the original president. Um, first of all, yeah. that, that dickhead guard that shot Garibaldi, um, talking shit to Garibaldi, saying that there's a new order rising and you don't know you can either get stepped on or you can join. And he's like, who home guard? He goes home guard. Huh? No, 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 they're nothing. Um, and then with the whole president demanding that he gets transferred and all the records get transferred and then he miraculously gets transferred to another ship. I mean, come on, it's so obvious. And then at the very end, when Garibaldi says that little 
uh, hand gesture he made was something that Bester did in previous uh, visits. So Garibaldi kind of hypothesizing that maybe it's the Psychor that is kind of behind it. Um, it made me really think like, ooh, is it the Psychor? Because I know we've talked about how the Psychor is shady. President's definitely shady. That dickhead guard is shady, 100%. And all of them, I feel like they are all in cahoots and they really have some sort of evil plot brewing. And I obviously, I said from the beginning that Bester was shady. And I think the Psychor is also shady. So I can see how maybe that might be where it's going. But also... Who fucking took that guy? I want to know, like, where did he go? I mean, clearly the president requested him and he's working with him. It's just there can be no other explanation for that. All right. I see a couple of people have their hands up, but I want to jump to our resident uh, conspiracy theorist, red line connecting paper person who has been commenting on the Earth Alliance from day one. Justin, what have you got for us on presidential assassinations? I wasn't here for that episode. When when we recorded Chrysalis, because I so wanted to sit there and go, I was right, I was right, I, 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 you know, and I was sitting there like watching the episode, doing a little dance, going, I knew it, I knew it, you know, and I, it's as soon as as soon as they said the vice president got pulled off at Mars, I'm like, no, something's not right about that. Something was like really shitty about it, and I honestly, I didn't. I didn't forecast the part about it maybe being Psychor. Um, that's the one thing that I will say maybe did surprise me a little bit because like, especially like when Nicole said, and I, someone else said it might've been John, but the whole tip of the hat, like the Bester thing, I was like, oh, no way, no way. Okay. That's a whole new direction. I didn't see coming because I figured it was all going to be home guard and we were going to see the rise of some fascist regime, you know, uh, regime, like I was talking about a long time ago. And I think we're still seeing the rise of that fascist regime, but maybe it's not Home Guard. Maybe it's Psycor that's going to be secretly pulling the puppet strings behind the scenes or something like that. But I just love being right about that. It was fun. And I'd say I was, in a way, I was glad you weren't on the Chrysalis episode because I missed that one also because I really wanted to see your reaction to all of that because I, as I told Scott, we were probably going to need some paper towels to clean it up when you did your little <laughs> celebration. Uh, I like, I knew they were going to take out Santiago. I just knew it. And then when the, you know, he's like, oh yeah, he's getting, you know, the vice president's getting off. And I'm like, oh no. Okay. Here it comes. Sure. Sure. Shit. Assholes took him out. Jesse, what do you got? Who sends all their documents? Like what dumbass made that decision? Because as somebody who like has to keep records and like shit needs to be there when I need it, like you make copies. Like you always keep the original and you send the copies to wherever they need to go. So like when um, the captain and, and Ivanova were having a conversation and he's like, oh, and with all the evidence, I'm like, did you really send all of the evidence? Like, I thought you guys were smart in this like 20. What what years? What, what year are we in? Because it's like way too far in the future for them to be that stupid. It's funny you say that because I, so when the vice president or now president was speaking, I was like, oh, look, here comes Sherlock Sheridan again. As he's listening, he immediately figured it out. He's got it. And I was like, all right, cool. We just talked about how they didn't want to write Sinclair like this, but here's Sheridan. And then at the end he goes, oh man, I fucked up. I sent all the evidence. What? What happened, man? You can't (laughs) find it at the same time. What are you doing? (laughs) I was wondering if he said that, but didn't mean it. So no one would know he actually has copies of all the evidence. And it was like, oops, I sent it all when the reality is he wasn't that 
dense. That's a good point. Maybe he's got a secret dossier somewhere. Yeah. You I hope that, so. If you keep you keep a copy of it yeah. and you hide that because you're going to need it later. Oh, and on the flip side, though, I mean, we can't argue about how smart they are because how many times have we seen, you know, a pound or two or blow go missing, missing from an evidence locker in this country? Right. Well, I mean, shit does happen. Listen. Well, it's like... Are you are you telling me that space travel is so safe in this century that it can't possibly, you know, happen that something gets blown up, you know, on the way back to Earth that you would you wouldn't this just wouldn't happen. Like it, right. it's it's plot crap as far that's as that's exactly I'm that's concerned. exactly what I thought. Again, especially with his reaction as he's listening to the president, you see it in his face. Mm-hmm. Oh no, what is this? Oh, this shady alert going off. So you have to, I, I mean, it was so heavy handed that I took, again, that's why I called him Sherlock Sherry and I thought, oh, now he's figured it out instantly. And then, so to your point though, I don't think he did hide it. I mean, he was just talking to Ivanova. So why would he lie to her? He, he clearly trusts her. Like if, if he had some stuff to the side that I feel like they would have said that. I think he legit gave all the evidence away, but a big dumb dumb moment. And I just, oh, okay. <laughs> Does he one hundred percent? Does he one hundred percent trust Ivanova yet? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like- Do you think so? Okay. They came from wherever they came from. Like they. Yeah. Worked well, I get before. it. They served together before. They knew each other, but that doesn't mean he one hundred percent trusts her implicitly yet. Okay. Think about it like this, Justin. How long have we known each other? I don't trust you. Stop. <laughs> Not talking to you, Keneally. I've never, I've never trusted Keneally as far as I could throw him. Right. So Keneally is a different story. We're not even bringing him <laughs> into this conversation. I, Jesse, Jesse, I've known you for 20 years and I would trust you with my life. And that's what I'm saying is if you pull, if we walked into a, an office building somewhere and you saw that I was your boss, God forbid this ever happened. But <laughs> that like, is a huge HR mistake if you hire me. I feel sorry for right. the HR director in this, uh, in this instance. They are going to need booze. <laughs> you see I'm your boss. You're going to be like, damn right. I've worked with her before. I know she's this, she's this and this and all these other things we don't talk Fair about. Fair enough. And, Good point. And we're, you know, we're down. So like, that's how I see it. Like, I feel okay. like, I feel like they trust each other. Yeah. Sheridan and uh, Ivanova worked at the transfer point on IO, which is exactly where the president got, got spaced. So uh, I don't know. Read that as you will. But I wouldn't be surprised, though, to see Sheridan wanting to play this completely to his chest. So he may want to just tell everybody he doesn't have shit. I hope so. I hope you're right, because I I don't think I I don't think that's the case. And it makes me sad because you can't be that. Nicole, jump in this one and uh, let's talk some more HR violations. So I I really also agreed to everyone. I was like, is he really that fucking stupid that he sent all of those documents and maybe he kept them to himself? But also, John, you might be able to attest to this. You were in the military. If the fucking commander in chief tells a military person to do something, they're going to do it, even if they don't agree with it, because you really don't have a choice if you get a direct order from your commander in chief. Right. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I assume. But it wasn't a direct order not to. uh, Well, yeah, but I'm saying like a copy. Right. But I can see like why he would be complicit, maybe. But also, like, I would think he would make a copy, because if you just gave it up like that, you're a dumbass, you know? Um, so I don't know that that was something I was thinking about is maybe he did that because it came from the president, but at the same time, I would still make a copy. John, the uh, military has been invoked. So do you want to, <laughs> well, I mean, so yeah, you, you, uh, generally have to do what they tell you. It's kind of the law in, in the military, but 
Uh, so you talk about the military, the, the U.S. military. It's funny you say that because nothing is just like one copy. There's about 50 copies. Everybody gets stuff sent in triplicate and all this other mm-hmm. shit. So that alone is like, yeah, there would have been a billion copies. I mean, I still have stuff. I have a copy of my basic training, uh, everything. I have my contract. I mean, they, they just make copies of everything. Um, but to your point, that's why I thought when he was initially talking to him, his, it looked like he was thinking of a way to delay sending it. Like, I thought he had a plan. Like, okay clearly you're shady and I'm going to figure something out because I can't just let this go. And then he just let that go. And so I want to believe with the rest of you X-Files, I want to believe uh, that he has some plan, but he just had a big dumb look on his face. And I think he was just a big, dumb, dumb, dumb in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I say that because as I transition to yet another love story that I'm not buying and seems totally forced and jam packed in here with his wife. I just, I don't know why I simply take it back. I know why they're in there, but all of the love stories thus far have not been convincing or interesting enough to me. They've all felt very forced and heavy handed. And this episode was no different. We got the Armageddon Bruce Willis video, you know, I love you at the very end, which apparently Justin was a fan of. So good for you. I'm happy. Um, But I just thought I could have done without that too. I didn't, I know you need to flush out characters and I know you try to make them three dimensional, but it just, again, with this, I thought, and speaking of love stories, I thought and was hoping that uh, Sheridan and Ivanova would have had a romantic past. When they first met, I thought, oh, there's a little like, oh, hey, oh, hey, like, you know, we've touched privates in an earlier time and now we're working together. What's up? So that's that's where I thought that would have been interesting. That's where I thought it was going. I see Jesse's Don't hand. bash me for being oh. a romantic, John. So, so John is wanting uh, Sheridan and Ivanova to bump uglies. So, you know, way to go there, John. But Way to simp that out, John. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I will say, I think the piece on this one with Sheridan's wife, I think that's a good comment because I think it was believable in the first episode, this one with that video clip, but also keeping in mind, his wife's not talking to him in the video clip. Um, He's talking to the other person in the clip. But my honest to God, first impression when I saw that video clip, who else remembers Mad TV from the 90s? Mm -hmm. Um, Lowered expectations. Yes. I was expecting lowered expectations at the end of the clip with the wife. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, but I just was. Oh my it, god! The hair, the hair was, was terrible. And the and the shitty beach background. Yes. Yeah, I was oh just expecting god. at the end, you know, lowered expectations, and they walk off. That's fucking classic, Blake. Thanks so what did we learn tonight? We've learned that that John is not real big on love. Is that what we've learned tonight? No. Okay. Can you blame him though? I mean. <laughs> This or show's not real big on love. To John. I don't know. I I really liked the Sinclair uh, Sakai, you know, stuff stuff a little bit later on. I, I kind of wish they had even done a little bit more with it towards the end of the, the season one, because I thought it was just starting to get a lot more natural than it had been earlier on. Oh, you mean like the, oh, do you want to? Yeah, I guess. You want some coffee? Yeah, right. well, you know, we already we already <laughs> talked about, you know, Scott and I both were, were real kind of big fans of that because it was, wasn't some, you know, grand thing. It was like, hey, I'm nervous. Do you want to get married or what? We yeah. all don't going to get hitched now, right? <laughs> I don't think it's that I'm against love. I think it's I'm against this weird, creepy love that they keep Just giving you a hard time. Out. I prefer more normal love. I, unlike Scott, I like to close my or kiss I, my. Yes. I, I don't even want to know what John's definition of normal love is. I'm just saying right now, I don't. I think want we're to getting know. into a weird area. 
Listen, if you pay enough by the hour, you can be loved by whoever you want. <laughs> there we go. Now we have it. Centauri tentacle porn, take two. No. So, but before we jump on, I do want to give a chance because we, we are kind of talking conspiracies and and we do have one other person in our group that has, you know, had their red yarn out and connecting pictures. Andrew, do you have anything you want to add on the EarthGov conspiracies at this point? Uh, yeah, uh, everything about the, uh, that Zoom call with President Clark. Uh, just Yeah, everything about like the way he was asking, acting. I don't know if it was just me, but it was kind of very strong Richard Nixon vibes. Mm-hmm. I don't know about anyone else, but that was something I picked up on. And yeah, I'm also on the the bandwagon with uh, uh, yeah, Clark definitely helped orchestrate Santiago's death. Yeah, I was getting a, a more of a Johnson vibe, but I I agree with you, Andrew. I I feel like the the line about oh, I grew to uh, you know admire the man. It was like that was the fakest shit I ever heard in my life. It was like <laughs> he's Kennedy to you, and you think he's a, an ass and didn't want to have to be his VP. That's what I, that's what I got from. Nicole, what have you got? I was just going to kind of piggyback off, piggyback off something you guys were talking about with Sheridan's love plot. In one breath, oh, I miss my dead wife so much. And then Delenn walks in and he's like, swing, like his face <laughs> and his reaction to her. I mean, can you hide your boner, sir? Like, I feel like he, and then it, it was talking to his sister about her, like, oh, it was so exciting and da 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 da. Like, I, I feel like there was a little love connection there. And I don't know. She's going to have to divorce Sinclair if that's the case. Well, and I mean, why why should he hide his when she's got hers on her head, Nicole? I mean, come on. I mean, that's true. <laughs> Jesse, what have you got? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with that. No, thank you. <laughs> um, so I wanted to comment on Sheridan. Sheridan really channeled his inner Sinclair in this episode. And I'm guessing we're going to just see this pattern over and over and over where he hops right in and decides that he's going to risk his life in every episode. Because with the machine that uh, the doctor was using, he's like, use it on me. You know, and it made sense. Let's be very clear. It made sense for the doctor not to be the one in there because he had a good point. If you pass out, you're just going to die. Um, but, you know, there's how many people, 500,000 people on this this station and i feel like the the number one ahead of everything shouldn't probably be the one hooked to it but i i did get some clear vibes from that today i took that same note though uh, again because since we just talked about it last episode and scott gave us the feedback about oh well, we wanted sheridan to be different than sinclair we thought we were going you know writing a specific thing i thought well here's sheridan doing the exact same shit sinclair always did which was oh there's danger i'll jump in front of it um and then I also got to enjoy some more hate on Franklin because this man, every time we see him, he was like, look, I know this is how you're supposed to do it by the book. And this is the stuff they teach you, but I got some illegal shit if you're down for it. And I'm willing to break some rules. And he's like, all right, cool. And then when they get down there and he's like, all right, use it on me. And he's like, no. And he's like, wait a second, who's the captain here? Can you just say like, do what the fuck I say or don't do it? Like, why are we negotiating with this terrorist Dr. Franklin? You keep hating on Dr. Franklin, but he's saving lives, John. Is he? Is he? Plus, he, he tried everything else. I mean, it was like right. the last it's, hope. I don't, I don't, I don't get your perspective. How'd that kid work out, Jesse? Oh, <laughs> Is he- Jesus. He did his Ooh. job. Here we go. <laughs> hey, it was oh, the parents that killed all the viewers him. off again. <laughs> and it was the parents that killed the kid. Right. He didn't kill him. He saved him. Did his job. 
Mm-hmm. Whatever. You don't like sci-fi. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm just a woman. I should. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just a woman. I don't need to be hurt. It's fine. <laughs> we just try harder. Just that work that harder, Jesse. Thank you. <laughs> also on the Garibaldi topic. I also thought the plot convenience of uh, being able to glimpse Jack in in a a stray reflection from um, from a uh, mind scan was really freaking convenient. Wait, is that his name, Jack? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, they revealed in this episode that Garibaldi's aide they call him. Oh, I've been calling him Dickhead Garden. Yeah, but I just I just found that completely ridiculous as far as plot convenience goes. Mm-hmm. John, what have you got? Well, we're talking about the Garibaldi part because there was a lot there was a lot to handle there, um, and I'm not sure where I want to start. But there are two what I literally laughed out loud while I watched it moments. Uh, the first was his second in command, or is that Joe, whoever, with the most over the top acting I might have ever seen in order to get the guy who shot him. He sends in some dude. He's like, hey, tell him Delenn's got wings. Really lay it on super thick. I thought, what what are we doing here, man? Um, And then the second funny part was Garibaldi walking into an interrogation with his cane that he then, of course, I go, he's going to use it. And then he uses it and slaps on the table. I I couldn't take it seriously. I laughed through both of those sequences hysterically. You don't buy Garibaldi's bad cop routine then, John? (laughs) Listen, you can do all the extreme close-ups you want to. It's not making it any more intense when you have a thing <laughs> grandpa used extensively as you try to be a badass. It's, it's just not happening. I don't know. If somebody threatened to space me, I think I'd get my attention. But Jack yeah. didn't seem to be at all interested in uh, uh, taking the bait on the intimidation. Because he knew and, it wasn't going to happen. He knew right. that he was going to get yeah. put in some kind of ship and the president was going to save him. Yeah. I still think they should have just let, you know, Sheridan walk around the hall a little bit, let Lou Welch do his thing, you know, Whoop Luke that the hero here. Yeah. Nicole, what do you got? I was going to say, also, I thought it was funny when uh, Garibaldi was like, where's the commander? And they're like, he's been reassigned. And then Sheridan comes up and introduces himself and he's like, I don't know you. I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, you don't. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, it just made me laugh. I was like, I don't know you. Like, you tell him Garibaldi. New commander, who dis? Yeah, <laughs> his reaction was so fun. I don't know why it was so funny, but it was. The real Mean Girls theme to it. You can't sit here. Yeah, you can't sit with us. Which, by the way, I did just get a message from Scott. He says he is still drinking and sent a picture of himself with what appears to be a mug of beer. So I told him he could be doing that on here, and you know, he's, right. he's still off doing what he's doing. So have fun, Scott. He's At least good. he's in one piece. At least he's in one piece. At least he's in one piece. To that point, he deserves a night off. I thought uh, I thought they underplayed, at least in this episode, Garibaldi's reaction to Sinclair being gone. Again, you mentioned there's a lot going on this episode, so probably wouldn't have been easy to squeeze that in as well. But I would be, I guess, shocked if in the next episode, or maybe two, we don't see him actually delving into more. I mean, they were close friends, you know, you know, him and Jeff, and they had this relationship, and now he's just he wakes up out of this coma, and now he's just gone. And his only reaction is, I don't know you. Like, while funny, it seems like, you know, if your friend, seemingly one of your best friends, uh, you know, is just gone while you were under, you might want to 
diving on. Those are the, those are the type of like emotional beats. Instead of trying to jam in shitty love stories, like mm-hmm. those are the type of emotional beats that we've earned, right? So throughout the first season, we've seen their friendship. We've seen them have each other's backs. You know, we've seen uh, Sinclair be there for him when he relapsed. We've seen him be there for Sinclair multiple times. So that type of emotional beat to take a minute and have him struggle and or be sad or whatever, you know, have a beer down in the cantina with Ivanova and, and you know, ruminate over the fact that he's gone or at least not there those are that's the type of emotional shit that i think hits more and would be more in place versus again the terrible 90s haircut uh zoom video so i have to agree yeah and also i wonder if he's gonna have conflicts with sheridan too going forward because he's pissed about sinclair being gone well i did ask to see if he would pull the plug on him and so i bummed apparently we're not gonna get that plot line so (laughs) you're right though he would have been the one to do it Justin, what have you got? I mean, I, I do think that we're probably going to see some conflict between uh, Garibaldi and Sheridan. But um, just two points I wanted to make about this. Uh, I Jakar, if he noticed uh, Sinclair was gone, he didn't seem to care. Uh, despite, um, you know, him saying a few times in a few different episodes about how he respected Sinclair and stuff like that. Um, didn't seem to really kind of, he didn't kind of miss a beat. Um, and then was I the only person who kind of caught on to something that Delenn knew before she even went into the cocoon, I guess that Sinclair was going to end up on the Mimbari homeworld because she said that, um, you know, you know, Sinclair has been sent, I know, I know that Sinclair was sent to be among our people and, stuff like that. So I almost wonder if she knew that, that that was going to happen before it was kind of, kind of before anyone else did, but I don't know maybe if I'm reading too much into it or not. Well, we'll save that for your questions and predictions. Emily, what do you got? Um, Actually to Justin's point, since Lanier was in the room and like kept her up to date, I'm assuming she knew through that, like she may have been able to comprehend what he was telling her during the transformation, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And to your point about Jakar, I'm guessing he was probably in the loop. He was probably being told um, what was happening on B5 while he was off. Where were they? At the rim, uh, dealing with the little murder ships. So I, I'm guessing he was aware that Sinclair was no longer there and kind of knew what was going on, but... This focus is likely on the coming situation, whatever that happens to be. John. Yeah, since we're talking about what Delenn did or did not know, um, is this her? Is this their first chrysalis ever? Like, is, was this an experimental thing as a species? Because they seem to not know they're going to come out all grayscale. And she's like, oh, I don't know. Lanier's like, oh, I don't know. And I thought, you know, if this is something you're getting into, I don't think you just invented it. So you would assume you'd have a little more knowledge about it and either expect or, you know, either know they're like, oh, this is supposed to happen or, oh no, this has gone horribly wrong. Um, which real quick too, uh, could we have done without that entire side plot? I think so. Did I think it was a waste of five to 10 minutes of her in grayscale? Yeah. Basically the same thing that happened with Game of Thrones. If you watched it, the way they handled it, this felt very similar. It was just like, oh, one of our characters is grayscale. Cool. It's supposed to be terrible. Cool. We just got rid of it. Let's just not talk about it again. So, so John, do you, do you want your favorite answer now, or do you just want to assume it's the answer mm-hmm. you're going to give? I just, well, let's just stick with, can you answer me why we even needed that in there? Is it, is this going to be something that should be discussed later? Because it felt very much like a throwaway 
not needed, could have been cut. Like if I was editing this, I would have edited that entire grayscale thing out. For, for the grayscale part, I mean, yeah, that that was thrown in there. That was probably some filler. As far as the rest of your comment, yeah, we'll get to that beyond the rim. Beyond the rim. Great. So yeah. just, uh, the new Scott, great. You guys suck. <laughs> not according <laughs> to that reviewer we had, John. He the thinks we're fucking Oh, no, I suck. You're okay. <laughs> yeah, Kevin sucks. The rest of us are fine. <laughs> Mike, too. You know who wrote that review? Sheridan's sister, because she sucks, too. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, what have you got? Uh, how the fuck? How do I follow that up? Um, I, I honestly, Joe, though, John, I I think it's not something that I think it's something that's extremely rare. Like it's not if if everybody went through this, then they would exactly know what to expect and how to handle it. Uh, but she did say she had she went through this change with the knowledge and permission of her people. So I think it's something that does happen from time to time it's just probably no one in living memory has ever gone through it so i think that's probably why they didn't really know what to expect but that's just me okay i can live with that like oh no that something has gone wrong like okay cool and that's how it seemed like call the doctor and he was like oh you have to anything you see here you have to keep quiet and like all right cool and then oh is that flakes off is that supposed to happen i don't know like oh all right and then literally the next scene that they're in it's like here i come in my white robes watch my dramatic reveal it's like well what happened to all that grayscale shit it just frankly it's awesome like we just threw that whole out of the 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 rest of the episode it just called it exfoliation <laughs> classy it was awesome all right so i think that sums up our thoughts on the episode unless anyone has any last thoughts before we move into questions and predictions i have one comment um oh sorry go ahead andrew go ahead andrew you first i had the biggest smile on my face when morden showed up i don't know what that says about me but (laughs) Uh, the last thing i'll comment on is just uh we did see a new uh version of the narn heavy cruiser in this one uh, so again, we've talked a lot about the improved CGI and the improved visuals. Um, that new cruiser for the Narns was one, kind of one of those pieces that came in as a uh, new little piece. I just wanted to throw that out there that that was some of the new increased visuals. Totally unrelated to anything, but one thing I love about this show is there's always a lot of great quotes and lines from every episode. And one of the ones I wrote down from this one was from the dead wife when she said, uh, love knows no borders. And I just thought that was a really great quote. And I feel like there's so many quotable lines throughout the show. Um, so I really, I really liked that. And I thought that was a really great um, quote and kind of a, a nice kind of almost a nice way to kind of tie up that relationship and and allow him to say goodbye to her. Yeah. And, and actually you, you bring up the quotes and this show actually does have quite a few quotes in it. Um, not this particular episode, but B5 in general, you've got quotes from Yeats, Lincoln, uh, Tennyson. Uh, you've even got uh, Nietzsche in here at a few points. So uh, JMS actually said he tried to be a little bit subversive in some of the quotes that he worked into uh, the show to expose them to people who maybe otherwise wouldn't have heard them. John, what have you got? Well, you mentioned the non-ship. Looked like Jakar had some new threads, too. Uh, he was looking pretty, uh, pretty sharp. Did anyone else notice the slight change in the Earth Force uniforms also? They're a little more military. They're a little more military and actually on the leather pieces now has a red piping around it uh, that was not there in season one. So even the Earth Force uniforms took a little bit of an upgrade in this episode. So, But did they always have the service bars on there or is that more of a formal uniform thing? Uh, the service bar was always there, but it become they separated it off the Earth Force logo a little bit more in season two, I think. Maybe I didn't uh, notice it before. Yeah, it was there, but I think it was closer on the Earth Alliance logo in season one than what it was 
in season two, they lowered it below the Earth Alliance logo a little bit. But no, they were there. But yeah, all the leather pieces get that pi- that red piping now around the collar, the shoulder pieces, and everything else. So that makes it's more uniform and less jumpsuit now. I noticed. Yeah. All right, so let's move into some questions and predictions with our newbies. We'll go back around with the order I wrote down and not the one I called out. John, what have you got for questions and predictions? First of all, thank you for calling me first so that all my questions don't get taken up and not everyone can go to sleep because I've got a few and I know how much Justin. Folks, get a drink and get comfortable. John's about to talk. I just got a couple questions. Okay. Um, so Talia was in this episode. She, if I remember correctly, she's actually a commercial telepath. So I am curious, do they have other telepaths on this station? Why is she the one that always gets called? Now, my easy answer is, hey, man, there's only so much money in the budget for actors, and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, she has said before, hey, look, I am a commercial telepath. I deal with this. So, um, you know, every time. Again, as you saw, it was very jarring for her to see that memory. They're just torturing the poor girl Talia and just making her see all this horrid shit. Um, so it, it might be nice. Maybe mix it up every now and then and see if there's another telepath on the ship. So Delenn, so she said she's a bridge. Does that mean she's half human now? Is she now mixed with some sort of human DNA and, and Minbari DNA? Did she actually get some DNA from Sinclair? I don't know. Um, but... Uh, so that's something that even they mentioned on the show that, you know, they're not sure. Cause I think uh, Sheridan's shitty sister asked and was like, Oh, what is she? And then he was like, Oh, I don't know. And I was like, Oh, weird. One thing you don't know. So that's another question. I hope we get answered. Uh, we already talked about why would you send all the evidence, not make any duplicates. I'm hoping he's literally still not a dumb dumb. I think that might actually be, Oh no, no, no. Okay. I'm sorry. So the darkness or uh, whatever we're going to call them. So if this species is so powerful and can seemingly go undetected, why even bother like hooking up with any other species or making any deals? You know what I mean? Why not just flex that muscle and take what they want? Um, You know, I'm curious what their, I don't know, rationale, like why they're incorporating or bringing anyone else in um, on it as well. Um, Now, as far as questions, I actually think that's it. I actually don't have a whole lot of questions. Predictions. I mean, the most obvious, the, the president was definitely in on it. I think that'll come out. I think that will be more of a conflict as they continue to look for uh, evidence for it. I think Gar- that would be Garibaldi's kind of main charge. Um, I think he's going to hopefully have more of the same type of regret or PTSD from the presidential assassination that we saw a little bit with uh, Ivanova earlier in that he tried to stop it and couldn't and hopefully is. Um, so he takes that up. Here's another prediction. We don't ever see Sheridan's shitty sister and all of us are happy. (laughs) Jesse, how about your questions and predictions? Please see John's questions and predictions. Um, I, my only question was, is Daylin, 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 is she um, half human now? that she looks human or is um she just not i don't know and um predictions would be that we never see the uh jack what we call him nicole the asshole dickhead guard dickhead guard we'll probably never see him again i i would guess my predictions would say that um somehow the the um crew of babylon 5 bust this huge like ring of shady shit going on with the president but I don't know when that happens. So, All right, Justin. Um, questions. I mean, it's the same question. Honestly, you guys were joking about it. I legit wrote that shit down. Um, A is Delenn human Mimbari hybrid, and two 
is the human part from Sinclair. I wrote that down here in my notes. Because you're a dirty old man. No, I wasn't thinking of a dirty, though. I was thinking, like, gene splicing shit, but then you had to go and, like, throw some sludge into the pool, and now that's that. That's all I'm thinking about. Thanks, John. Brown chicken, wow. Yeah, brown chicken, brown cow, all over that. You guys want to throw that sludge right against the wall, baby. Yeah, you did. And you had a smile <laughs> on your face when you were doing it. Wow. Uh, we're going to need some lives all in this one. Um <laughs> So, but then going into predictions, I actually think we'll probably see Jack again. I think he's going to be kind of a right hand to Clark. I think he's going to come back and try and fuck with Garibaldi some more, try and maybe finish the job. I skipped the opening from the first episode, and I actually watched it here in the second episode. Whole new opening. So that was the first time I actually saw that. But the line that I was going for was when he said 2239 the year the Great War came for us all. And I'm thinking it's a two-front war. It's going to end up being a two-front war. You're going to have a civil war with Earth, and you're going to have a war with the Shadow People. Stay tuned. The last one I wrote down is you are going to see a lot of kind of um, testosterone flinging between Garibaldi and Sheridan for a little bit. But then they'll come and they'll have some kind of manly understanding and be friends. So that's all for me. You mentioned the intro, and this is going to be the one season I'm going to mention this. The intro, one, I'm going to flat out say it, it spoils some of the season in the intro. But the intro does change a couple times in this season. So this okay. may be the one season. Um, the video stays the same. They change the narration a little bit. Because when Bruce Boxleitner first did the intro, they did not actually have the video done yet uh, for the intro. So when in season one... When Michael O'Hare did that narration, he had and was actually watching the credits as they rolled. Bruce Boxleitner wasn't. He was just reading through it. Which is why the video makes no sense with anything that he's saying. Exactly. (laughs) So they do actually change up the credit sequence. One, they changed to Lynn's appearance. Um, I don't know because I skipped. I'll be honest. I skipped it on HBO Max. I don't know if HBO Max is doing this. But in the first couple episodes of season two, they actually showed Delenn's original appearance. Yes. Um, this one on there so the appearance of the lynn changes in the opening credits as well as they re-record and readjust the narration so that it fits better with what you're seeing on the screen so i know like john you've asked about this we've told you it's okay to skip those this season you might want to every now and then watch the opening because it will change a couple times through uh season two well, and I think that was a pretty big tag for me when i heard that one sentence within that opening going oh shit it's happening yeah, that's why I skip it, man. No spoilers. All right. I don't ever watch it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, this one was really spoilery. And actually, our friends over at uh, Babylon for the first time called that out, uh, that the intro was actually really spoilery uh, for season two. Emily, questions and predictions? Um, Most of them have been covered, so I don't really have a lot. Only thing I really want to know is if Sheridan was smart enough to make a copy of the evidence. Because if he wasn't, then I'm going to struggle trusting his command. Agreed. Andrew? Also, a lot of my questions have already been asked, but I guess I do have one question. Am I the only one who thought that Delenn was hotter when she was full Mimbari? No, I thought so too. I agree. I disagree, but whatever. Everybody got a cane. I'll take okay, good. I feel I feel a little better then. My prediction, because we've been talking a lot about Delenn's new look uh, and the possibility of whether 
maybe she has some Sinclair in her now. Uh, so now I'm, I know phrasing, but. <laughs> sounds so gross coming out of your mouth. <laughs> we seriously not doing phrasing anymore. I love Andrew's level of discomfort. That brings me joy. <laughs> Oh. She looked like an awkward talking over Andrew like we yes. do every goddamn episode of this okay. podcast. Andrew, do you have any actual questions or predictions? Well, I, I was getting to my prediction. I'm just, I, I'm just providing context. The, the That Minbari ceremony that we saw in Parliament of Dreams, does that maybe have something to do with... So my prediction is that had something to do with it. I'm afraid to ask for this next round of questions and predictions, just given her history of phrasing. But Nicole, <laughs> please save us from this and bring us home with questions and predictions. Well, honestly, a lot of my questions have already been asked. So uh, is this new order that's rising up? What is it? Is it Psychor? Is it, um, you know, run by Clark? Is it, you know, um, something completely different? And is the dickhead guard going to be going along with the Clark guy and being his right hand. I think somebody mentioned that. Um, I think that that is definitely going to happen. Um, is Delenn part human? I have to know this because she looks human. Did Jakar actually discover the creepy spider murder ships? And they are the people that they encountered over at, is it Zakadun or Zak? How do you say that again? Zakadun? Zahadum. Zahadum. No CH. Yeah. So Zahadum. So is that kind of where they live and where they're from? Like, and those are the people that Mo, uh, Morden are running with, I assume, is is my other question. Um, and then predictions. I feel like Sheridan and Delenn are gonna are gonna hook up. I sensed a lot of tension between them. Um, I do think that there's gonna be something that happens between them, um, for sure, because uh, depends on the list, though, on who can mingle with who, especially with the whole Mambari human connection. Now, I feel like now that Delenn looks a little more human, his face when she came out, I was like, OK, I see that. I definitely think that Dick Hedgard is going to make another appearance. Um, he'll be Clark's right hand. And I know that that conspiracy is is definitely going to blow up. And I also feel like the B5 crew might be able to solve that and, and kind of blow that wide open. I also think that there might be a little bit of a pissing contest between Sheridan and Garibaldi at first because he was so close to Sinclair. Um, but I do also think they'll eventually come together and be friends. I think there's definitely going to be some com conflict between like Home Guard and Earth. But I think it's going to be overshadowed by this shadow people that are going to kind of threaten everybody. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I did like the how how Jakar said to Lando that, you know, we might be able to help each other. Um, it'll be interesting to see like everybody kind of work together to defeat this enemy. Um, so I, I have a feeling that that might be another prediction too, is that you're going to see unlikely allies formed to defeat these darkness people. So that wraps up our session going through Babylon 5 Season 2, Episode 2, Revelations. And we are now going to drop the newbies off the podcast and out the airlock. And Kevin and I, as the only two first ones that are on tonight, will go beyond the rim and discuss your questions and predictions. Again, my name is Blake, and with me tonight has been... Emily. Justin. Nicole. Jesse. John. Andrew. And Kevin. All right. I think that does it for our newbies. And Kevin and I will now go answer all of your questions that we refuse to answer for the last hour and a half. <laughs> it's a good thing that you got late because you suck. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. 
You can find all the places to listen to this podcast and links to our social media accounts at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so please join the discussion on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Gray 17 is a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find all the Front Row shows at thefrontrownetwork.com. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All audio clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing Babylon 5 themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim. I'm Scott, back from the bar. I completely missed out on everything that was said in the first part of the episode, but decided to hop on for Beyond the Rim. So here I am, and with me is Blake and Kevin, as who were with you before, and we're going to dive into the questions. So Blake, take us away. All right. So John started us off with our questions tonight and wanted to know if there were other types of telepaths on the station. And what he was really curious about, because you know we've seen different types of telepaths in the show. We've seen psychops, we've seen commercial telepaths. And really, we don't see, there's not like a Psycor, Psycop office on the station. We only really see commercial telepaths on the station. We will see some random uh, telepaths of other races. So to his question on other types, there's telepaths, but not really in the terms of like Psycor does not have an office on the station with other types of telepaths on board. Yeah, we know there isn't a criminal justice one on the station either. Yeah. I think it comes down to just the amount of telepaths that are available. We were told that it's a very small amount of folks who are telepaths, even a smaller amount of folks who are above a P5. So it's just kind of scarcity. When they need a P10, they send in Bester, which we'll see him again soon. (laughs) Yes, we will. We heard about him this episode. I love a little reference to Bester's where we can get him. Also, John also wants to know if the murder ships are as strong as they seem and and why do they need to team up with Centauri? Oh, they're teaming up with the Centauri just to create mayhem in the galaxy. And they are just as strong as they seem. I mean, you had to take out a Narn fighter to take out a little shadow fighter. uh, And then we haven't even seen what takes out a big battleship yet for the the shadows. And yeah, uh, Kevin, you're completely right. Is uh, As we're going to find out later, the Vorlons believe in order and the shadows believe in chaos. And why just do it all yourself when you can make the little races fight amongst themselves? It's very much, this is one of the main reasons why I think that Mass Effect's, the Mass Effect, if anyone's played Mass Effect, owes a lot to Babylon 5. I'm not going to spoil Mass Effect if you haven't played it because you should. But I will say that the main baddie uh, does kind of the same thing. Uh, allows for the strong to survive through chaos and fighting and the weak go away. And the shadows are trying to do the same thing. The one thing I'll say, and none of the newbies picked up on it or questioned it, you know, when that Narn fighter rammed into the shadow vessel, you saw it wither in pain. Uh I don't think any of the newbies picked up that the shadow ships are actually living type vessels. Mm -hmm. And they've only seen the Vorlons a couple of times, but we're going to be told later on, uh, when we see uh, Kosh's ship, I think the, the episode where Kosh dies, that the Vorlon ships are the same way. They are biological entities. Yeah, and they've, yeah. they've heard the screams of the shadow vessels. Uh, mm. where, 
but uh, you know they they haven't picked up on anything yet. But they haven't seen them a lot, uh, so much so that they're still calling them murder ships. Has anyone actually picked up on the screams yet? Because I missed this episode. Obviously, no, they didn't talk about it at all. Okay, I'm, I, somebody's going to have to say it sooner or later. Yeah. Um, so that kind of that kind of finishes that. So then John is predicting that Clark was in on the conspiracy. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> Which they, they all definitely seem to be on that page. Um, all he needs now is the mustache to twirl just to make sure you know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Garibaldi will continue to look into that. Um, yes. Garibaldi and Bester have a destiny, and yeah. it's going to be not good for either one of them. <laughs> and then we'll John and sister. further predicted that we won't see the sister again, which I do not think that we do. No, no. we don't. We don't see her again. We, we see, see Anna as a different actress. Right. But we don't we see a different see Anna, a better yeah. Anna. And yeah. we see Sheridan's father, but we don't yes. see the sister again. Correct. We will see his father a couple times, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, yeah. Kevin, correct me if John's the one that brought up some of the philosophy quotes, was he not? I think so. Was and, John and philosophizing? Did, he did. And I wanted to, because he brought up the poem that Jakar read to Natoth, and it was by Yeats, and there was only portions of it read. And yes, and the part that was read about the center, uh, things fall apart, the center cannot hold, uh, mere anarchy is loosened. But what I wanted to get into is the part that was not read in the show from that poem, just how it goes into with what's coming is. And I kind of when he started that was wondering if he had looked it up, but it's uh, surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming hardly are those words out. When a vast image out of Spiritus Mundi troubles my sight somewhere in the sands of the desert, you know, so it really goes into this whole thing with the second coming and it actually gets down into is moving its slow thighs while all about it, real shadows of the indignant desert birds, the darkness drops again. But now I know that 20 centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmares by a rocking cradle, you know, so you really go through that whole piece by Yeats in there. And you think about, you know, the whole theme of season two with the coming of shadows mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that uh, JMS plays that expertly in this episode. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I'm just envisioning Yeats and Jaquan hanging out together. Hey buddy, right? let's talk mm-hmm. about the shadows together. So Jesse wonders if Delenn is half human now. And this was asked by a couple of the newbies. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yes, and she she both appears to be and is about half human now. But, you know, another question that was asked to go along with that is, is the human part from Sinclair? Mm. And we we don't really have (laughs) evidence of that, although um, I believe they intimate at one point that Delenn is a descendant of Valen. Yes, because she has the same whatever you want to call it dna soul that lights up the triluminary and we know that valen is the reason why the triluminary lights up so So. in a way yes but not Mm. in the way that they think yeah and really if anything um the the i can almost see that be a case and here's why again going back to the time loop Sheridan actually uses the chrysalis before Delenn does because mm-hmm. we're going to get the chrysalis is made on Epsilon three. Zathras brings it to B four. Uh, Sinclair uses it to become Valen. And then it is passed down generation to generation until Delenn gets it. So potentially, I guess we don't are told this, but 
maybe since Sinclair was, you know, patient zero, that there's a part of that there too, but I, I, that's stretching it, but that's only thing I can see where potentially that could be the case. Well, and that gets to John throughout there in some of his, I believe it was, and someone else did too, but it was, do they not know how this device works? And is Delenn the first person using it? First and, person in a thousand years. Yeah. First person in a thousand years. And that's exactly the thing is yes. And Claire used it first and then Delenn used it, but no, they didn't know what they were expecting. They didn't, Delenn did not know what she was going to come out of that as. And the mm-hmm. first one that used it to go from Minbari to human. So that could be a yep. little bit of a different transition yes. as well. Yeah. And we, and I mean, even if there's like a, a period there that she doesn't know about. I mean, I'm sure Sinclair didn't write down to the Vorlons, hey, it took me a week to transition and I had flaky skin for a while or anything. So <laughs> Dylan's going at this all blind. You know, you know, Sinclair could have left a note, leave some moisturizer with the machine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I will say my in my head, and I I, I haven't I, I think I, I think about this every time I do a watch through. I always think that the Delenn transformation happens later, like a couple episodes more in. It, it surprised me again, even though I've watched this so many times, that it's episode two where Delenn gets transferred over. Um, but I just, it, it's interesting how fast we move into that. Even we, we got scaly Delenn for about a second, but then we are definitely on full of Delenn at this point. So I, I misremember whenever I watch this thing, I guess. I also think it's interesting that uh, she says that she she did it with the uh, the the knowledge and permission of her government, which I know there's elements <laughs> of the lie. government that are probably, but it, it's just interesting that she said that. But you know, it's the same she, thing she was doing with Narun, though she was right. BSing Narun too. Right, right. She's so Scott, one question it. that came up out of our newbies with the lens transition was the grayscale part almost just seemed unnecessary. Yeah, it was like it was kind of a bait and switch, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, you're thinking, okay, now we're going to deal with this for a bit. But even when Franklin sees her within a second, she's got normal skin underneath it. So I think, I mean, it, it, it pads out the little bit of question of what she's going to look like. I think how I would have done it if I was the director, which I'm definitely not a director or a screenwriter, but I would not have shown Franklin peel the skin off. I would have seen him looking at the scales and then cut. And that way you don't know what she's going to look like when she walks into the room. I would have cut that little bit out. Jesse predicts that we won't see Jack again, which that's true. We do. Correct. No, Jack is gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Babylon five crew will bring to light the corruption with president Clark. Season four is going to be great for her. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to take a little while. I mean, they're going to well, bring actually, it to light in season three. Yeah, I was going right? to say, they bring it to light in three. But they yeah. don't, like, you know, deal with it until fully season four. Right. After the Shadow Wars over. Yeah, they got to deal with one issue before the other. Which is interesting because uh, Justin predicted, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Yeah, please. That, um, you know, there was going to be a two-front war. Mm. Um, and that... It was going to be, you know, one with the murder ships and one with a civil war on Earth. That's like I still say Justin's cheating. (laughs) Even if he doesn't know he's cheating, he's cheating. He's cheating. (laughs) He watched this all before. He just doesn't remember it. Um, Justin also predicts that there's going to be a rise of a fascist regime on Earth, which, uh, yeah. I mean, it already has risen, has it not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
and that there will be conflict between Sheridan and Garibaldi. That was predicted by a couple of the newbies. And eventually, uh, is, is it really be. a? Pro- oh, go ahead, Blake. Sorry. And, and eventually, there will be. Yeah. But it's I wouldn't necessarily characterize it as between Sheridan and Garibaldi as it is between Sheridan and a personality that is programmed into yes. Garibaldi. Absolutely. But also, I mean, is it really a prediction when they're already shown that this episode? There's already conflict with Garibaldi yeah. and Sheridan. I don't know you. <laughs> I mean, and yes, they do. I think the, uh, and again, I haven't watched in a while. So maybe much like the Delenn thing, I'll be surprised. But I think they could have padded that out more, that animosity between Garibaldi and Sheridan and what they do. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, I mean, season five is rough for Mr. Garibaldi. <laughs> well, and it dis- that animosity disappears pretty much after this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and see, it, I haven't watched the next episode in probably three years. So yeah, I'll it, take it your word for it. up in this and then it's pretty much gone until we get into the construct between the feud yeah. between the two of them in season four. Yeah. Um, which leads up to the betrayal of Sheridan by Garibaldi. And then, you know, after that, they become friends again and everything's fine come season five. Yeah. And then Garibaldi runs a multi planet corporation and all as well. And then and has a daughter the who plays tennis and builds the ships for uh, Sheridan and called arms. Yes. And then goes and finds Bester and locks him in prison in a book. Yeah. Story yeah over. Nicole thought that, you know, the, the tension would, would happen, but then it would get a lot better over time, which it doesn't take very much time at all, but you yeah. Know, they yeah were... And I will say, because I'm the guy and I'm pretty sure I've done in the show. I complain about Voyager and the fact that you have the Maquis and you have the Starfleet crew right together, and we completely give up on that confrontation real quick. Same thing here. I think I think it would have been good to actually have uh, a chief of security who maybe doesn't trust his commander and vice versa. I think that would have been a fun little thing to play with, but they don't. Uh, Justin asks, did Delenn know that Sinclair would be reassigned prior to her transition? I don't think we have any any evidence of that whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's all conjecture. I mean, I could see it. I could have if, if right now JMS sent out a tweet and said, "Yeah, she, uh, it was the Mimbari asked for Sinclair to be transferred a month before it happened." Okay, there's nothing that says that wouldn't have happened, but there's nothing in canon that says that. Well, I think part of it is an offhand, and I think probably what happened in the background is Lanier briefed her after she came out of the thing and said, "Here's what yeah. happened last week." <laughs> While she was peeling off her scales, he's like, "Let me catch you." Exfoliating. <laughs> this is going to take a bit. <laughs> Let me catch you up on what's going on. <laughs> There's this guy named Sheridan. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're. I think you're familiar with him. No one likes him on our side, but you know, we'll grow to like him later. Um. Justin also thought that we would see Jack again. He thought Jack might try to come back and finish the job on Garibaldi, which uh, uh, no, not so much. I, I would say even even so, writing wise, why? Why do you need that? Jack's been played out. Right. Uh, Garibaldi survived, but Garib- everything Garibaldi knew, hey, he has he has passed on the information, and everything that Garibaldi knew, now Clark and his regime knows. So, even taking him out is kind of a waste of resources at that point. Now, right. what could have been interesting, because remember, Scott, the original storyline, Takashima was the one that shot Garibaldi, yeah. or at least was involved. Yes, correct. No, and, she was the one who took the shot. And, and my understanding find out later she's is control. it wasn't till season three that they found that out under the original kind of arc plan. I believe so, yeah. It'd be so, late in, later in the season for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, under the original plan, yeah, that character would have stuck around. There would have been some more time to Revelation. But, yeah, with, when they sub, when they made that change and Jack ended up being the one to 
do it. There, there was no real reason to have Jack come back at all. Well, and also metal wise too, the Jack actor was there to support Michael O'Hare and mm-hmm. Michael O'Hare is no longer on the payroll. So then the Jack actor, aside from being Jack has no other reason to be on the cast and on the production crew. So it's just a clean cut at that point. Um, what is the conspiracy group and is Clark involved? Uh, I think she's talking about the fact that he scoffed at home guard. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we know that, Psychor is involved. I mean, they I think, uh, yeah, I, I think with that one, it, it, it's fun that Home Guard gets kind of pushed to the side, and we will see Night Watch is part of the same kind of idea. I mean, I, I think you can read into that quote too much. I think Home Guard is absolutely a part of it, but they're just a puppet organization, much like if you are, um, let's let's use Germany as an example, the brown shirts were a part of the German uprising and all of that, but they weren't the only part of it. It's just, you know, another piece to the puzzle. Did the Narn really write about the shadows in the book of Jaquan? Oh, definitely. We're going to hear a lot about that over the next couple of uh, seasons. And and that is where we learn you do not thump the book of Jaquan because when Garibaldi shows up in the war room with the book and does his thumping, Jakar is not happy about it. And then, do the shadows live on Zahadum? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they Whatever. have returned to Zahadum. We're going to learn all about Zahadum. There's also a shadow ship on Mars. Spoilers. Yeah. There was. I don't think there's any more. Oh, yeah. It's been it's been dug up by now. You're yeah, right. They dug it up by now. There, there was a ship, which, by the way, is another Mass Effect thing, but we'll leave that alone for another yeah. day. I really well, need- Did you see recently they released a satellite image from Mars? Oh, the little thing crawling around like a dog. <laughs> yeah. And JMS got in on it and made some comments about look out or beware of coming of shadows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, kids, it's a it's a light thing, much like the face on Mars. It's really not, it's just a rock. It's okay though. There is it not a shadow a vessel on Mars. Or a dog. <laughs> for that matter. Somebody's lost his puppy. By the way, random. If you have not watched it yet, which I'm guessing you haven't, on Amazon Prime, it just released Goodnight Opie, or Opie, Goodnight Opie, which is about uh, Opportunity. It made me cry. It is a really good documentary about Opportunity Rover on Mars. They, well, like, that's a lot better than what I was guessing it was about, which was no. about uh, Opie from uh, the... Uh... <laughs> uh, no, they actually... they, they Andy they, Griffith they, show. Yeah, that's right. No, they actually... They, they, they anthropomorphize... The Opportunity Rover, and it's like you're watching Wall-E for an entire oh, documentary, and obviously Opportunity is no longer communicating with us. And when it quote unquote dies, it it gets emotional. <laughs> you should yeah. check it out. It's a good documentary about Opportunity Rover. Random. Uh, Jack will be back and end up as Clark's right hand man. Uh, <laughs> we're we're no, really we're think... really pumping up Jack. Dude yeah. is a gunman, guys. <laughs> His job was to make sure no one found out about the stuff being smuggled through B5. That's it. They pretty much made clear, you know, when they said he disappeared after that, it's like the end of the episode pretty much told you he is gone. Oh, yeah. They disappeared Disappeared his ass. Yeah. (laughs) They disappeared him. All right. (laughs) Unlikely allies will form from the war that is brewing. Yeah, you could say that. I I mean, again, is that really, truly a prediction? I mean, (laughs) even Jakar's going to uh londo and saying we're gonna work together sooner or later you're gonna have to work with me (laughs) 
And then Nicole with the big prediction, Sheridan and Delenn will have a relationship. No. (laughs) (laughs) She did give him the come F me eyes when she came into the room. They talked about that a lot. Yeah. And they will have a kid. David. So for all those wondering about Delenn and DNA, yes, there will be some Sheridan DNA there. So I wonder if Nicole's going to be the only one shipping uh, Sheridan and Delenn. We'll see. I don't know. I think Emily will get on the show as soon as she gets over the Sinclair thing. (laughs) So Emily um, wanted to know if Sheridan made a copy of the evidence. And then she said if he didn't, she was going to have a hard time accepting Sheridan's command. You know, Um, I read that. I read that a little differently. I mean, I'm sure they had even Clark didn't say, give me all your copies. He said, I need all the documentation. I'm sure they have copies, but without Jack to corroborate it, it means nothing. It's just a conspiracy theory. So they still have the evidence. It's just you got the guy who has literally the smoking gun is now gone. So congrats. Throw your evidence out there. It means nothing. Mm. Okay. Does anyone else disagree? No, because I I can't believe we're going to find out later when General Haig shows up that Sheridan wouldn't have got a copy of that to General Haig, considering General Haig put him there. Mm Right. Yeah. For some of these reasons. Yeah. I, I think they're just reading into the dialogue too much. I mean, there was there nothing in the dialogue ever said, I want every copy of your data bank so you don't have it anymore. And when uh, when Ivanova and Sheridan are talking in CNC, they don't say, well, we've lost all the evidence. It's just he's gone. So <laughs> there's nothing we can do about it. Well, and we know that Sheridan doesn't let Ivanova in on his, you know, secret assignment from general Haig until much later so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yep yeah so i don't think sharon's that dumb guys (laughs) well no i of course we don't but yeah no i was referring to the newbies there as the guys and then andrew asks is he the only one that thought delenn was hotter as a fullman bari i think that says more about andrew than delenn (laughs) well he wasn't the only one i think uh i think jesse get on on that too i don't know i think uh i think I think Mira Furlon is a goddess, and the more you can show of her, then more power to you. Also, the, the lipstick helped, too. Yes, the lipstick does help her quite quite. Although, I will say, canonically, it's kind of funny that she comes in looking all did up, and she's got, like, the little clip in her hair to hold it back, and then sooner rather than later, we're going to see her not being able to brush her hair at all. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, maybe Lanier, she went to a salon before she showed up, and Lanier helped her out. I don't know, it but... just came out of the cocoon perfect. How? Why are you... <laughs> the she cocoon... Woke, she woke up that way. <laughs> the strands of the cocoon grew into a comb or a pick that was stuck in her hair to hold it together all that ooze would certainly help her hair quite significantly i'd imagine (laughs) and the minbari ceremony in parliament of dreams has something to do with the lens transition god they're Uh, stuck on that damn ceremony yes they are well and what was it emily this time though it's andrew right well okay here's the thing he's right he's right because in the ceremony, she is quoting Valen. Will you walk with me? Blah, 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 blah. So she's right. Andrew's right that, yes, Valen is involved in the ceremony. Therefore, the whole idea of we need to have this transitional uh, uh, coupling between now Sheridan and Delenn was part of it. And Valen knew about that because Sinclair has not gone back in the past yet. So Sinclair will know that Delenn transitions uh so you're not wrong 
Um, that may be my second stout talking. <laughs> couple of couple of small things. I thought it was interesting that Sheridan hadn't seen his sister since what I would presume would be Anna's funeral. Yeah, um, yeah. Which but, do we remember how long? I mean, do they, they they don't say two years. Episode, two years. Okay, okay. Um, but I he mean, was out on the rim, you know. Yeah, and he's 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 on assignment. I mean, there are we usually deployments don't last that long but i mean it's not unheard of and then also if you're having a traumatic experiment experience and your wife happened to be the best friend of your sister maybe you don't want to talk to your sister too much right right but what's funny is in and i even commented that i could see it was some of the the way they played the sister some of them thought at first it was more of a romantic interest than a sister when like the first embrace coming off the yeah he's like holding her a little bit i yeah i mean yeah okay they're just they're just even the way even the way the actress though portrayed some of the lines oh okay okay there was a yeah it was it was a little weird in some of it i will say though this is and i would have said this on the main show if i was on it this is the first time boxlighter gets to stretch his wings in terms of acting when he's talking to anna on the screen that's heartfelt that's some good acting yeah it won't be the same Anna, but we'll leave that one be. Well, you know, Melissa Gilbert definitely is a. Well, it's his wife. Well, <laughs> that too. But, <laughs> like, hey, JMS, since you got my wife in the script and uh, my wife's looking for a little bit of uh, work to do on the side, uh, let's make that happen. Wait yeah, till you hear our discussion on that one. I haven't read Toussaint's, uh, you know, IMDb page. I didn't really look at it, but I'm guessing Melissa Gilbert's is quite a bit longer. So <laughs> I would assume so. Yeah. <laughs> just, just the section on little house in the prairie and all of the made for TV movies. She's yeah. good. Well, and she had another, she had another law show, didn't she? Oh, she was big throughout the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. She was definitely a catch for the cast when they picked her up because well, <laughs> nepotism's fun. Right um and by that point too i mean she doesn't show up again what until season three right season three yeah because we go to zaha doom in season three so at that point i mean unless you're like us and watching like for a podcast no one's gonna care what anna looked like back in season two episode two anyway so and it's the very end of season three besides yeah hello although we do hear her voice in war without end true Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, but no one no one cares (laughs) i more care about the top damn it (laughs) <laughs> well and the other the other thing about this episode it's just more of londo um selling out the narn and just going down the same path with uh with morden uh that's not something that john is going to like where this goes for a while yeah. but yeah, he, he 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 seems like he kind of sees it coming like please don't go down this road please please oh crap you're going down this road aren't you well was it like two episodes ago he predicted that Londo will see the light and turn back and he will, but you're going to have to go down a long, dark road with Londo <laughs> before you get there. Yeah. <laughs> I loved, by the way, I love Peter Jurisic's face when Jakar's looking around the room. Somebody told them and Londo's like, oh, I didn't do it. I know nothing. <laughs> it was weird at the beginning of the episode that Londo is so pissed that uh you know two of the ambassadors aren't there even though their attaches are there it's like what is the big deal like oh, you've never oh. missed a meeting buddy come well, on that's 100 percent grandstanding he just wants to rub the minbari and the narn's yeah. face in something that's all it is yeah. it happens yeah well, i think he he has some great lines throughout this whole season yes he does yes 
We, we this is like the Londo Assance, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's just grandstanding. It's the same reason why somebody on the Senate floor is gonna pick up on somebody's tweet and talk about it. It means nothing, but for the kids on yeah. C-SPAN, it's fun. You know, that whole scene in the chamber after uh, Narn surrenders that's going to be later on. I can't yes. remember if it's end of season two or season, but, you know, where he's reading, mm-hmm. and he's reading off those the list of the surrender and, you know, says Jakar shouldn't be here. And he just finally screams now. Yeah, no, and that's that's closer to the end of season two. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's rough. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, he that's does, the darkest time of Londo. Yeah. But he does the... He portrays it, Peter portrays it so well, though. Yeah, he does. You know, I, it's I, not over the top. It's not, you don't like lose the scene. You honestly follow that portrayal, and it's just so good. Every I time can... that I see that scene, I'm mad at Sheridan for not pushing back and saying, screw you. He's not leaving right now. But according to bylaws, I mean, Sheridan's, <laughs> Sheridan's locked in. I, that and we see that a couple times, and I can't I can't think of examples right now off the top of my head, but I know they're there. Is Sheridan tries very very much throughout his time with the council to play it um, play it by the book, yeah. and the book says you're no longer an empire, so you no longer have a seat on the council. Sheridan has nothing he can do. So I mean, behind closed doors, sure, but I think uh, your hands are tied at that point. It's yeah, like so. it's it's like if you're in the UN and a country is invaded and loses its legitimacy, you don't like that they're not sitting at the UN anymore, but they're not there. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, that covers uh, it. So until next week when we meet the techno mages, I have been Scott and with me has been Blake and Kevin. We'll see you next time. Bye. Without any explanation, the other one picks the most breathtakingly inconvenient moment possible to explore new career options, like becoming a butterfly.